everyone, I'm Annika. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm Bella. And welcome to our mid-season finale. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, in this far and for supporting us all the way through. So today we will be talking about sexual asp- assault specifically on college campuses. Yeah, yeah. so... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Start no. us off. Um, yeah, we first we first wanted to introduce this with a case that even I remember from um, back in high school, which was the Stanford swimmer Brock Turner, who had sexually assaulted an intoxicated woman behind a dumpster. And there was a lot of outrage because when he had gone to trial, his sentence was particularly light. It was only six months, but not only that, but how he was able to get out of jail after only three months. And they said that it was because he had no prior criminal record. Now. Unfortunately, this isn't uncommon. Um, little to no like jail time or prison is among like college athletes convicted of like first-time sexual offenses. In fact, CNN had found um, 52 cases of NCAA Division I athletes investigated by police, police sorry, for allegations of sexual violence. Um, and only 13 of those 52 cases had actually resulted in prison or jail time. So it's obviously like a major injustice to sexual assault victims. And there have been too many times where these cases have sort of been like brushed under the rug or even when, when um, you know, these uh, assaulters are arrested, they don't receive the appropriate sentences. Um, so this is just like a topic that we really wanted to discuss. And I think it's a good time now to sort of transition into some of the progress that's been made into how colleges have tried to mitigate sexual assault over the years. Yeah. Yeah. So in a lot of college campuses, there have been women's centers and or women's centers services available. So I know in my university, they have the posters of the women's center, like plastered in the girls bathroom um, saying, oh, yeah, if you have any if you want to report um, any anonymous sexual assault, um, instances will always believe you we can we can investigate it so i know a couple of my friends have found the center particularly useful uh just because of all the support and the fact that it's just another voice to listen Uh, it's it's another person to listen to your allegations and it's very useful considering that it's from someone of the administration Hmm. yeah and aside from that as well i know there are several um other colleges that also have like psychological service who services rather that provide like therapists and people that you can talk to as well as i think most colleges also have like sexual assault and harassment misconduct courses um i know i had to take like a module on sexual assault and sexual harassment um before going to college and basically the purpose of these um like Um, courses are to kind of inform people on the policies that the school has as well as to kind of like increase the perception of sexual assault as like an extremely serious issue and while all of these are definitely good in terms of like you know providing resources and essentially like giving people educating people on sexual assault i think some things need to be said about like how effective they actually are i don't think they're helpful i don't think they're effective Mm -hmm. i think most of the time they're there just for universities to tick a box but if you were to measure like the quality of service that they provide i don't think it's very helpful like personally speaking in my school our psychological services have only like there's like a large wait list to get a therapist and you're only Mm. allowed like a certain amount of free consultancies before um you have to start getting you have to start paying them for it um and 
I mean, the courses in general, like, I feel like they're good in terms of educating people on sexual assault, but I don't think they do anything to prevent sexual assault because all they do is just kind of, it's just a way I feel like for universities to like pass on like the burden from Mm -hmm. them to us by saying like, oh, because we educated you don't sexually assault people, but that's not the case. So, I mean, there, there, there are stuff, but I don't think that they're particularly useful in terms of like prevention. Yeah. But more, more important than that, I think it's, we should look at the organizations that put people at risk for sexual assault on campus specifically greek life so just starting with like a quick anecdote um so a fraternity phi kappa tau at the georgia institute of technology issued an email i think two years ago to its pledges titled luring your rape bait and it in the conclusion it said the seven E's of hooking up, encounter, engage, escalate, erection, excavate, ejaculate, and expunge. Send them out of your room and on their way out when you are finished. So just um. looking more closely at the statistics we have, frat brothers are three times likely more to rape women. Sorority girls are 74% more likely to experience rape. And one out of five women on campus are going to be raped. So just to have a little disclaimer here, this excludes all the traditionally African-American frats, the gender-inclusive frats, and the multicultural frats. Um, Since they're not as threatening as those populated by mostly white, economically entitled students, and I'm not saying that just because you're, in a, you're a frat, you're a bad person. I mean, some of the best group of guys I've met on campus are in frats, but it's important to say that Greek life, the whole system is inherently flawed because if you look at it, I mean, I'm not sure how it works in Georgetown, but at Duke, like there are so many steep dues for members to separate like economic classes on campus. And for parties, I mean, fraternities set up space to provide the drinks and the girls are invited, but there's not a clue on what they actually do provide. And Panhellenic law also states that girls can't do the same. So it's kind of a gender bias in that. Yeah, I mean, Georgetown, there's not a, like, there's not, like, Greek life is not big at all. Um, we do have, like, sororities and fraternities, but it's, like, not, like, a big thing on campus. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, though, like, I think definitely, like, Greek life and, like, sororities and fraternities are, like, for, for a lot of schools, a hot spot for, like, sexual assault. Um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that, like, you know, Greek life is the cause of sexual assault. Like, I, I don't think that, so. Yeah. I think that's, that's like, a big part of it. But there are also a lot of statistics that kind of show that, like, sexual assault and sexual misconduct on a college campus can essentially occur anywhere. But it just so happens that, like, Greek life has, like, a big, like, contrib- contribution to that statistic. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, a large part of that is just kind of, like, speaking, not not necessarily from, like, experience of like being at a frat or sorority or like knowing that environment because i'm not but like you know like like pulling from other people's experiences and what other people have said i feel like it's the culture that um certain fraternities and like sororities sometimes even breed um i think that's particularly um yeah uh yeah, uh, I mean, problematic like, as well. I, I I get like I mean I can only really imagine like uh, this ginormous group of boys. Like I don't want to um, kind of just like generalize, but I can sort of yeah. see where that culture might come from, where they're they're sort of like egging each other on to like, yeah. make moves. 
And I think yeah. that sort of breeding that maybe like, I don't know, competition kind of yeah. Yeah. can sort of escalate um, behavior that is associated with sexual assault. Yeah, and I've heard stories also from more southern schools and where Greek Greek life is more prevalent that for Rush, I know that the like sometimes the brothers will have like a list of girls they have to like hook up with from different sororities um, to fulfill their part of Rush. So that in itself just shows that the system that Greek life can sometimes breed can be very toxic. Yeah, I think Greek life also just breeds, like, rape culture in general. Like, a large part of, like, rape culture in college campuses, like, I feel like stems from Greek life and, like, from those practices that you were just saying. Um, But I think connecting it more back to kind of, like, um, the idea of sexual assault. I know, Annika, you were saying that, like, sororities, how sororities and fraternities kind of, like, infiltrate the adjudication process. Like, Mm -hmm. how like the existence of greek life and like if you are sexually assaulted by let's say a member of a fraternity or a sorority even how like sometimes going through the like judicial process and kind of like the process of like accusing someone in that whole like legal process i guess can be infiltrated by like members of like greek life yeah because obviously like if a fraternity has good as has a good social standing with another sorority like vice versa like the brothers and like both groups will kind of ally will will become allies in the sense that they'll they'll defend both organizations even if a brother or a sister is a victim or a perpetrator of sexual assault um yeah so just looking more closely at the role that gender plays on you know the whole sexual assault um like all the sexual assault instances on campus like i remember my uncle i think it was like the first week of campus and he was like, oh, congrats, like, you're, you're in college now. Here are four rape whistles, four coubaton knives. Carry them around with you when you go out. And here's a pack, of, here, here's like a can of maize spray. So, yeah, it's just kind of unfair that, you know, the burden's often put on women because it's, expe- it's, it's almost not expected, but, like, as we look at the statistics, like, more often than not the victims are women in these cases no yeah i get what you mean where it's like it's on women to like protect themselves like the responsibility is for women to not dress provocatively for women to like um carry pepper spray for women to carry like a rape whistle for women to not be like quote unquote asking for it when like really Mm -hmm. like the issue is like just don't like sexually assault someone or like don't like sexually harass someone like like like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that should be more of, like, a given than for mm-hmm. a woman to have to carry, like, all these, like, yeah. weapons for self-defense and to change themselves. Um, yeah, I, I get it. But I also <laughs> think, yeah. No, I just remember Elizabeth and I, um, our moms, want, we, we had to take Krav Maga classes oh. for self-defense. Yeah. I just remember that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, just see that burden, but yeah, continue on, yeah. sorry. I just, just to add really quickly to, like, Krav, Krav Maga, like, yeah, so I had to take a self-defense class, and one of the things that, like, I, I took it with another one of my friends, she's also, like, a girl, and one, it was just, it was the two of us, and one of the biggest, and we had, we took it with a guy as well, who, like, who just, like, joined us, like, a family friend, um, but there was one day in particular where kind of the guy had to sit out, and the girl, me and the other girl, we had to learn, we had a specific, like, class dedicated to learn how to get away from, like, 
basically wow. a rape like what if, if you're getting raped or if you're getting like held down like how to get out of that position and I just remember like the our, our teacher was telling us like yeah I know it's really scary and overwhelming to even learn this but like you don't know when it might come in useful and it's just like the idea of like him separating the guy and then having the girls yeah. do like a special like Very lesson I think yeah. that like the idea of that is just kind of like 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 we have to learn how to defend ourselves because of how like that is such a threat to us like it's also that thing that people were saying like women are the only people who are scared to walk home alone at night who always look behind their shoulder and that's so true but i just thought that was an interesting thing to like point out with the krav maga (laughs) yeah i also had to had to learn if i was being tackled by a guy yeah and it's just it's 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 obviously like it's i don't regret taking those classes because i'm better informed but it's just the whole Mm -hmm. entire notion what you're saying the whole notion yeah we we have to do this in order to feel safer in the environment that we will be in when we're alone that's just exactly really scary thought but you know while while it is a predominantly bigger issue for women i think it's also just important to emphasize that you know, sexual assault can happen to anybody, any gender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was doing research for this episode, I was searching, like, quote-unquote, like, men sexually assaulted in universities. And I swear, like, unless I'm just, like, an awful researcher, the majority of the articles that came up were not about men being sexually assaulted, but men sexually assaulting instead. And I don't think that's, like, a reflection of it necessarily being a bigger problem for women. I just think that it hardly gets talked about or recognized for men and like yeah no doubt like there are bad guys out there like for sure but um i think because of this like constant antagonizing of of men like men are men who do end up or men who do get sexually assaulted or abused they go unrecognized and they go more silent and i think there definitely like is this double standard for sure like if a girl i think so too throws herself at a guy it's deemed as like fine or excusable or like oh she's just like really drunk but if like a guy threw himself onto a girl it becomes a much more different story yeah yeah i think there is like i think even like there is that double standard in the sense that like i I feel like maybe one of the reasons why like you couldn't find anything on like stories or like statistics or like just experiences of men being uh sexually assaulted is because like a large part of like um male victims they don't report their assault Mm -hmm. because there is like a stigma against that um Mm -hmm. and i think that's not getting recognized nearly as much as it should be because that's also an issue and that's often like like what you were saying like i'm not gonna lie like the numbers do show that women are more likely to be affected by this but that doesn't mean men aren't affected but i think because women are more affected by this there's this narrative that just immediately antagonizes men and yeah like you said there are bad people out there but there are also people who and, and men who are victims of this and they shouldn't go under the radar as well and they should like i feel like that's definitely something that should be normalized because you know they need just as much support as like anybody else yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's I I don't I don't even want to like stick to like women and men, but also like transgender sexual assault yeah. cases and LGBTQ+. Like that is I was um doing my research and I found this report that found that 19% of LGBTQ+ students were victims of sexual assault or misconduct last year compared with 17% of female students and 4.4% of male students. So 
from the study at least it had showed me or show it, it had showed that um, more students that are sexually assaulted they come from the demographic of being LGBTQ plus and I think that also is is like alongside the the notion of men being sexually assaulted and how that's brushed under the rug I think that it, that that is the same notion for um, for LGBTQ plus students as well I think so too I think I, I think I think as well I feel like it's it's like the discussion of that is starting to get a little bit more normalized and a little bit more like um I guess like society in general are putting starting to put more like importance and emphasis on um transgender and lgbtq plus victims and um, instances of assaults against that community but again I also don't think it's nearly as much as um as needed I think I feel like sometimes there's a tendency for the discussion of sexual assault to turn into like like a, a gender thing in a sense like people start like splitting groups up by gender when like again like we were saying before like sexual assault can happen to anybody regardless of Mm -hmm. your of your of your gender obviously like the frequency at which it affects certain groups is different but it it can happen to literally anyone and i think like there there should be a way for us to like uh, approach this issue that's like i guess more like open to like different gender identities that are affected by sexual assault Mm -hmm. but yeah um, I think this is a good transition now to talk about Title IX and the controversy following Title IX, like um, as of late, especially with the Betsy DeVos revisions that went into effect on August 14th. But for those of you guys who don't know, um, Title IX uh, is basic, it basically says, quote unquote, no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Um, And in the 80s, it was determined that sexual harassment and sexual misconduct is a form of sex discrimination. So what you'll often find in college campuses is that they'll have a Title IX office with a Title IX coordinator, and those people will usually handle um, cases and episodes of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. Um, And that's kind of like uh, Title IX basically informs the process in which universities and even schools in general should approach these issues, if especially um, if they are federally funded. So um, I'm just going to go a little bit into kind of like the developments of Title IX in college campuses. So in the Obama administration, they were really big on like enforcing Title IX and enforcing like colleges and universities that were federally funded to have like to basically hold like it increased accountability for universities to really take the investigation of um, harassment, sexual harassment and sexual misconduct more seriously. Um, and it held them accountable for episodes that they knew about or, quote unquote, reasonably should have known about. Um, yeah, so basically it, it basically made sexual assault on college campus like a really a big deal. Like during the Obama administration, that was his big thing. Um and again, it basically, you know, provided a lot of resources and support for victims. But that was one of the things that the Obama administration was criticized for. Like, there were some critics who said that, like, because of the Obama administration's approach to Title IX, it led to schools feeling pressured to side with the accusers. And people felt mm-hmm. that the process of adjudication in this sense wasn't like fair quote-unquote fair because they were giving more support and more like leeway or I guess more like 
weight on people on the accusers rather than the accused and i think it is like not that i agree with this at all or like that um criticism but there was Mm -hmm. like apparently people saying that it during this period of time 2011 to 2014 where there were a lot of cases brought against universities for like wrongful um wrongful Mm -hmm. judgment that were won by students who were accused of sexually assaulting someone um so that that was like a big issue basically so that kind of like is the premise for the revisions that were made earlier this year so basically the revisions that were made this year essentially did like a full 180 and decided to essentially give more protection to the accused because people felt that there was too much given to the accusers or the victims so basically what's happening now with the like um uh with this new title nine um policy revision is that it's creating a judicial-like process so it's unnecessarily burdening victims um, and deepens like the trauma for students by increasing the chance of victims being exposed to their accused assailants so it requires this new like guidelines require colleges to hold live hearings during which accusers and accused are put in the same room and cross-examined for their credibility i mean like just think of that like if you were like a victim of sexual assault and then yeah. you had to be exam your credibility had to be examined while you were in front of your like assaulter, like again, deepens trauma. And it also limits like the revisions also limits the complaints that the schools are obligated to investigate. So now schools are only obligated to investigate like complaints that one go through a formal filing process, which a deters um victims from actually reporting instances of sexual assault because they have to go through this whole logistical and bureaucratic thing and two um basically if any type of sexual assault occurs off campus in like um, an apartment that isn't owned by the university the school isn't obligated to investigate that so like think about that like some like one of your students is a victim of sexual assault by another student in an apartment that's off campus the school doesn't have to investigate that because that wasn't an on-campus like residential like hall um and it also doesn't like allow for investigation and like study abroad so again it basically just i think to summarize these revisions it basically doesn't hold colleges accountable and it also gives essentially more leeway to people who are being accused and basically deepens trauma for victims the way that the revisions were made um, yeah, so just jumping off of that, I think it's also important to, you know, like play a devil devil's advocate role. And I think that's why sexual assault is such a tricky and sensitive thing, because it can be easily turned the other way in the sense that, you know, like someone like someone can easily be accused of sexual assault just almost as easy as it. Wait, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, be it's careful that's what, with your careful. words there. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, it's, I'm just saying it's really kinda... yeah, yeah. It's really hard to explain it, but yeah, because I know that there are also instances that I've heard from someone who's like from people that have that have been wrongfully accused of sexual assault. So I do agree that you know victims do not need to experience any more trauma than they have, but it's it w- like I think there needs also to be a fine line where yeah i mean i know i see what you're doing i i I do i do i do recognize that like there have been wrongful wrong judgments and i think um 
yeah I, I think it's, it's just in general it's just like a, a tricky a tricky line yeah. to navigate in a sense but at the same time I feel like these new policies like they like mm-hmm. people who support these policies claim that it's giving more like it's making it more fair and giving more um like it's 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 leveling the playing field i guess quote unquote between the victims and the perpetrators yeah. but at the same time i think the way in which it was done is just like that like you don't need like there's a way to make something fair without putting another group at a disadvantage or deepening the trauma of another group like yeah Agreed. fairness needs to definitely be a factor in all of this for yeah. sure but there, there's a way to do it that doesn't deepen the trauma trauma of victims yeah. and put the burden on victims because they don't need any more of that and regardless of whether or not oh is there any evidence to prove that this person was actually sexual doesn't matter you know like this person was clearly traumatized by an instance of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct and they don't need to go through any more bureaucratic processes they don't need to face their like their um their um abuser again they don't need to be subjected to a credibility questioning like there's that just doesn't need to happen because if anything that's just gonna lessen the people that come forward yeah um with like their like sexual assault episodes yeah and exactly oh sorry no continue go go ahead no and and kind of jumping off of that like that is why it is so hard to judge like we should be able to say that you don't need evidence to prove that you've experienced a traumatic event but like the way it holds up in court like the reasons why students do end up convicted majority of the time is because actual evidence was yeah like was able to have been proven and that's like the tricky thing right about the fact that many sexual assault cases is that it becomes like a he said she said situation yeah and even though understandably like you shouldn't have to prove yourself and prove your experience through physical evidence to be able to like say like this happened and i'm going through like an awful time right now for it to be like gone like for it to um you know continue on in trial but like unfortunately that's the most for for the most like cases at least like that's sort of how it happens in court but you know like the justice department um had put also the percentages of rape and sexual assault cases being reported at um or between 20 to 40 percent which is it fluctuates each year but also like kind of what you were saying right elizabeth like reporting a sexual assault Mm -hmm. can be so traumatic like the process of reporting it is invasive when it's like your body is like it's the scene of the crime right and victims who 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 report immediately after assault they have to undergo apparently this like a sane exam in which like nurses have to photograph like the victim's body and collect evidence from like their genitals and like recounting um that sort of experience it is like recounting the worst moment of your life in front of strangers and that's yeah that's also why like dealing with rape culture or sexual assault is not only a tricky situation but it's also a very sensitive matter yeah i think yeah just to add on that like i was reading something um about a title coordinator from a school i forgot which school but she was basically saying that like these new revisions basically almost like change her role like she was like as a title nine coordinator she was like i'm supposed to be there to provide support for victims but now i feel like because of these revisions and because you can only like 
have an investigation if you file a formal complaint and go through all of those bureaucratic like stages like she feels like she's like I feel like I'm like a lawyer now like trying to like just being an administrative person for this victim rather than being like an emotional support system for them um so it's extremely hard yeah so now now I think it's a good time to wrap everything up so for those of you that our income our rising freshmen you know just be very wary of the types of groups you're supporting on campus especially if you're thinking about russian greek life and if you are already a, a, a college student then also just reconsider what your organizations currently stand for and what are some and you know it's always good to brainstorm some ways and put them into action on how you can reform the system if you can Yeah, and I even think this trend obviously sexual assault transcends like an organizational like thing like it, like you just know your rights. Like that's just the thing. Like know what you're in, know what you're allowed to have, know what resources are there for you and if you feel like your school is like lackluster with the resources that they're providing, you know, bring that up with like admin or whoever is in charge. Mm-hmm. Um know know what's available to you and know that there are people there who who are able and can support you um whenever you decide to seek it out and whenever you choose to need it um yeah and just kind of like it's just always a good topic to kind of like be wary of and and be aware of because it is it, it is an issue um in college campuses all right guys i think that's it Um thank you guys so much for listening to Hollow Hollow. We'll keep you more posted on when our next batch of episodes are coming out, but until then, thank you so much and keep stay tuned in our thank Instagram. Thank you guys. Yes, we will be posting some resources, so keep an eye out for that. Bye. But bye. bye.